Welcome to the No-Till Farmer Podcast, brought to you by Yetter Farm Equipment. I'm Michaela Bogner, Managing Editor at No-Till Farmer. In today's episode of the podcast, Contributing Editor Dan Crummett talks with Mike Tweedy and Danielle Watts of Pattern Ag, a company that sequences DNA in soil samples to identify what pathogens will cause problems for no-tillers in the coming growing season. Here's Dan to get us started. Well, we're here today with Danielle Watts, Vice President of Data Services at Pattern Ag, and Mike Tweedy, the company's Vice President of Sales. I'm Dan Crummett, uh, Contributing Editor for No-Till Farmer, and Pattern Ag has just released its 2023 Predictive Ag Report, which highlights potential pests and disease problems for growers across the Midwest. Um, I'm new to the idea of Pattern Ag, and I would just throw out uh, if uh, you could tell us a little bit about the company, where it's located, how it was formed, and explain, if you will, the company's business model. Uh, yeah, the company's about five years old, so we're newer, but we're not new anymore. Um, and I would say since over the past five years, we've been building the engine, if you will. Uh, what we do in essence, is with a farmer focus, we look inside the soil biology using sophisticated DNA sequencing techniques to understand the pathogens that exist in there, the pressures, and um, give a precise report back to the grower prior to planting season on what pests, pathogens, and also beneficials that exist in their soil. So we're taking a very deep science metagenomic database look at what is happening in these fields. We are focused on corn and soybeans. So our footprint of uh, folks on the ground is in the Midwest from the Dakotas down to Kansas over to Ohio. Uh, we also do business down in the South as well, but, uh, but that's where our boots on the ground are. Mm -hmm. We are based out of Emeryville, California, which is in the San Francisco Bay area. So all the analysis, the data science work, um, you know, what I call the brain trust of the company is located in uh, Emeryville, California. Uh, but we're, we are a Midwest focused company. So you're looking at what has been known as the, as the herd under the surface of the soil, uh, at bi soil biology and, and what uh, specific individuals are there. Is this through uh, lab samples uh, that growers are looking to you for advice on this or or yeah. information? How does that work? Yeah, so uh, I'll give you the high level um, and then I'll let Dan uh, Danielle fill in the, the details of uh, sure. what happens because she oversees that work in the lab. But yes, we, we take a series of soil samples. Um, we generally sample at a 10 acre grid um, but we can use Sergo maps and all, uh, you know, those kind of different kinds of uh, sampling methods. Uh, we pull about 12 to 14 cores on those fields at six inch depth. And all the all the uh, pathogens and beneficials that we're looking for are, are in that top uh, six inches of soil. Mm -hmm. They're sent off to our lab where they go through a processing, uh, where they go through a process. And then we extract all of the DNA out of that subsample. Uh, and then that is what goes through our sequencing process. And then, you know, each sequencing process is doing about 10 million data reads. When you compare that to existing soil, uh, you know, soil analysis for nutrients, 
that's about 10 data points. We're getting about 10 million data points. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at all of the biology. And so that's about 10,000 different species, about 500 billion microbes. But what we do, the magic behind what we do is we have sequenced the very uh, the pathogens that are knocking off the biggest top end yield. So things like corn rootworm and fusarium, phytophthora mm -hmm. and sudden death syndrome and things like that. We turned those results around into a really intuitive, simple to read report that has a stoplight view that gives you gradient view of, of what your pressures are. But we not only do that, we, we actually make recommendations on what you should do to mitigate that risk. So mm -hmm. should I plant this type of a trait? Should I not? Uh, should I plant should I uh, plant this variety or hybrid that is more resistant to soybean stem canker or should I not? Uh, you know, th very simple decisions like that that have huge impact. You know, there's a there's an old saying that farmers have 40 years to guess right. And what we're doing is we're providing the predictive insights so that they don't have to guess right on some of those deep decisions. Right. And this is on an individual basis for based on the sample that is taken on an individual uh, operation. Is that correct? That's correct. You want to walk through that in a little bit more detail, Danielle? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that really allows us to gain, you know, deeper insights, both uh, for a grower and then, of course, across our sort of Midwest footprint is the fact that we're able to map uh, all of these insights to a subfield uh, insight. So, you know, we can tell you this portion of your field has a lot of pythium. Um, and then this other portion of your field seems to be doing really well. Um, and then from my perspective, the reason why we're able to gain deeper and deeper insights is that we are able to link that to soil chemistry, soil type, uh, you know, break and slope. Like, uh, look, this pythium is, uh, you know, this root rot is showing up in a portion of your field that also is low elevation. And mm -hmm. uh, look at that, it's right Does next to it. Does not drain, yes. Yeah. Um, so there's, we're able to really link across these different data sets to really drive that understanding of what are the yield impacts, what, you know, what are the soil variables that are correlating, what are the main weather gradients, you know, some pathogens are weather linked and some are much less so um, or not at all. And so we're able to really sort of like bring those insights in a deeper level and really validate that our insights are, you know, meaningful and linked to something that's happening in a grower's field. Yeah. So your clients then are hiring your expertise and your technology for specific recommendations uh, or insights into their own operation. And that's that is your business model. I take it is is, yeah. is that is this a subscription uh, based service or is it uh, just pay as you go or, or how does that work? It's it's more of the latter than the former. Um, mm -hmm. So we work through a, tr a dealer network of trusted advisors. So okay. um, what we're doing is we're supercharging the uh, agronomic expertise of a seed dealer, a crop consultant, you know, somebody that is working directly with the grower. And we're providing them a layer of data that they've never had access to before. So mm -hmm. soil biology, it's the it's the reason why I came here, because I'm, I'm so excited about it, because I believe you know, we have the genetic potential in corn to, to be able to grow four to 500 bushel corn. We have the genetic yes. potential in soybeans to go two to 300, but we're nowhere near that. And the one thing that we don't understand is the very medium that we plant that seed into. 
And so these deep insights are going to inform those recommend, uh, better, more informed recommendations that they can make. And so we offer these products through our dealer network for them to be able to offer to their growers. Okay. Uh, then then uh, the interface from a grower to you is through a dealer then? Yes, that, that is correct. They have access to their data. They can mm -hmm. see it online, but what we encourage is for the trusted advisor and the and the grower to sit down together and to make those decisions together. Mm -hmm. So they're going to see their results. They're um, you know they're both going to have access to them, but it just deepens the conversation that they're going to have and and gives them greater insights on what's happening in those fields. I mean, every field has a story, right? Right. And, and every story, you know, the only thing that that they can read in that story is what happened at planting and how did, what was my yield at harvest. Uh, everything that happens in between that is more like reading an autopsy. Okay, mm -hmm. I had I had a disease. I've got a disease here. It's going to impact this amount of my yield, but there's nothing I can do about it. What we're doing is we're filling in those chapters before the season even starts. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned every field has a story and. Uh... To fill in this, uh, maybe uh, paint a little better picture rather than a skeleton here, uh, do you have any anecdotes or examples of, of how this has worked for various growers? So I'll talk about one of our soybean growers we were working with uh, last year. Um, uh, this was a fun sort of uh, a story. We were working with this grower for a research purpose, right? And so they had already selected their seed before we did our soil sampling in the mm -hmm. spring. Um, and, and that grower knew they had a sudden death syndrome challenge in their field and had done, you know, a seed treatment and, and chosen a, a variety that was, uh, you know, resistant to sudden death syndrome. So, uh, to that grower's surprise, there was a pathogen, uh, and part of their field where the grower was like, you know, I, it can't be sudden death syndrome. I'm treating for it. But the agronomist said, well, that sure looks like sudden death syndrome. Um, and so uh, because they were a part of our research program, you know, we we sent some sample off to the lab, but we also looked back at the soil test we'd done for them and said, look, you also have um, other fusarium root rots. You have rhizoctonia. You've got a couple of different pathogens in this field. And it just happened to be that those pathogens, you know, there wasn't a seed treatment for those pathogens. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, the agronomist thought it looked like sudden death syndrome. It wasn't sudden death syndrome. We asked a layer deeper and sure enough, uh, there were multiple uh, fusarium root rots present in the roots, the stems and the leaves. Um, and then a boatload of rhizoctonia in the root which had shown up in our test, but the grower just unfortunately didn't know about them before, you know, choosing um, uh, his treatments. And then sure enough, there was expression of those. Um, so just one of those um, sort of interesting cases where now the grower knows which part of their fields have these pathogens and can choose a better seed treatment that's able to cover more of those risk factors. And I'm sure uh, he or she will be a repeat customer. <laughs> that's our hope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've what got the, a yeah. I've got another one though that's like. uh, that's really fun, and that this is uh, a grower who did, he tested his entire farm. He's uh, he's got a bunch of fields that were like fifteen year corn on corn. Uh, most of his fields were, are continuous corn, and he he had been trading up obviously for corn rootworm because it's assumed that if you're in a continuous corn rotation that you're going to have corn rootworm. 
And what we found is over half of his fields had no corn rootworm presence at all. And so what that informed was, hey, I can go, or even the fields that had it only for the upcoming season only had little portions in the corner where they had the corn rootworm. And so what he made the decision on was that I don't need to spend the extra $100 on that trait. I can just put a, a, an in-furrow insecticide when I go over this corner in the field mm-hmm. and have coverage and, uh, you know, save a lot of money and use a use a hybrid that is also going to be very high yielding. So that's another example. Um, what we're finding is across our entire footprint for the upcoming planting season, only about 45% of the fields have moderate to high levels of corn rootworm eggs in them. And we, but we distinguish between Northern and Western corn rootworm eggs when we do our analysis. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that suggests that there's a lot of money's been being spent on traits that don't need to be spent. And our objective here is not to not have somebody use a trait. It's just to use the right product on the right field. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Yetter Farm Equipment. Yetter is your answer for success in the face of ever-changing crop production challenges. Yetter offers a full lineup of planter attachments like row cleaners, closing wheels, and planter-mounted fertilizer equipment. And check out Yetter's highly popular stock devastators, cover crop rollers, and strip-till equipment. Yetter products help you maximize your inputs, save you time, and deliver a return on your investment. Visit them at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O dot com. Now let's get back to the conversation. Uh, can you uh, address ROI on your service? I've got one from <laughs> a so- Southern Minnesota. This guy was so happy at harvest. Um, last year, he did a test with us in the fall, got his results back. And this was in kind of Southwest Minnesota, close to the South Dakota border. And all the agronomists in the area were swearing up and down that there was no sudden death syndrome in that field or in those fields or in that area. And but he was he was really topped out at about 65 bushels per acre is all he could get. And so the test came back. He had sudden death syndrome at high levels in his fields. He also had some other diseases and some boron. Uh, He was boron deficient. And so that informed the decision on trait. Um, it informed the decision on a seed treatment at a max rate. He applied boron, and then he also applied another seed treatment for the Pythium and Fusarium that were in the fields. Called us at harvest. He was averaging 82 bushels. Wow. His five-year average on his soybeans was no better than 65. So he had over a 20, or he had a little less than a 20 bushel yield increase. Now, when you pencil that out to an ROI, what's it's corn right now, close to 1350 or beans are close to 1350 right now, uh, $12, you know, seed treatment that went on, he paid about three quarters of a bushel of soybeans for the soil test. So doesn't take a rocket scientist, scientist to figure out that his sure. ROI was massive. Yes, yes. Uh, you mentioned research uh, in addition to the service uh, how does that play into uh, uh, what Pattern Ag is doing? When you were providing an insight to a grower, we really want to make sure that we have high confidence that we're not just like testing their soil, but able to give them a strong recommendation that this is a background rate of this pathogen versus this is a lot. You really need to consider a management strategy for it. 
So as a part of that, we are constantly doing, uh, you know, trials with commercial scale growers uh, to really validate the insights. And, um, you know, every year we choose a sort of set of topics that we want to dive a couple of layers deeper on. Um, uh, and so we work with those commercial growers in the growers initiative. And so these are, you know, like I said, commercial scale growers, you know, you know, their, uh, their main sort of engagement is really to make sure that uh, they're a part of the development of the science and that, you know, they, they're, you know, interested in, in being sort of a part of that development broadly. So uh, an example of that is, is last year, we really wanted to tie, you know, we, when we give a recommendation, we're making it based on tens of thousands of samples that we've evaluated and said, look, your sudden death syndrome or, you know, pythium inoculum load is, you know, orders of magnitude higher than the background rate or multiples higher, depending on, you know, the pathogen sure. and sort of how mm -hmm. it behaves. There's a bigger tie in there. Like what's the risk of expression, which is a little bit different from just what is your inoculum load. And so we were asking those questions for sudden death syndrome and really making sure that the thresholds we choose of like, this is a line at which you need to consider, you know, management is actually linked to a risk of expression. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we worked with uh, soybean growers um, and actually, you know, did scouting. We, we sent, uh, you know, samples to pathology lab, we evaluated uh, what kind of treatment or what kind of like resistant variety they had put in, in their field. Um, and we're able to, to link explicitly, um, and this is in the predictive ag report, actually, we, you know, we're making this very transparent, um, you know, that at a given inoculum load, there is a higher risk of expression and really being able to tie that directly into something that's very, um, uh, no longer conceptual, it's very literal and real for a grower in their field. Okay. What, uh, explain a little bit more about the risk of expression. What are, what are some of the things that would be, that would play a part in that factors for risk of expression? Yeah. Um, and of course that's going to vary a little bit by pathogen, right? Like we know, um, you know, so in our, our background, you know, we, you know that uh, sudden death syndrome is weather linked, that you just are more likely to have more of it where you have, uh, you know, uh, the right kind of like summer conditions as well as spring moisture in the soil, right? So that's, it, it gets hold in the spring and then shows up later in the year. Uh, so you have to have those sort of conditions at planting um, that matter. So all of that is certainly a part of it, but there are, you know, sudden death syndrome, uh, it's a really interesting pathogen um, where if the plants are stressed, at lower levels uh, of at, if inoculum loads in the field, you can still have expression, right? Uh -huh. So if you have a nutrient deficiency or, uh, you know, just the, the, the plants are susceptible because of soybean cyst nematode uh, or something like that, you know, your risk of expression is higher. And that's why we think of um, these pathogens as, you know, they, they cluster in certain ways, you know, one amplifies another, mm -hmm. uh, you know, particularly like your, your corn rootworm, um, can, uh, amplify your summer pathogens, right. Because they've done damage to the roots. Um, same thing with soybean cyst nematode, where you have feeding from them, you have an amplified risk of some of your root rots and so other stressors. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're really trying to link all of these together um, and really sort of uh, understand fundamentally what are the drivers uh, mm -hmm. in these fields. Okay. What's the scope uh, of acreage and cooperators in your market area? I, I know it's mainly Midwest, but what are we looking at as far as acres you cover and, and number of growers? 
Yeah, it's, I couldn't give you the number of growers right off the top of my head, but we're well up, you know, many hundreds of thousands of acres across the Midwest. And this is our second year of uh, uh, being fully commercial. Uh, mm -hmm. The first three years being more, you know, really working on an experimental basis and, and figuring out our model. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're on, you know, many hundreds of thousands of acres from the Dakotas all the way to Ohio. And then we also have acreage down in the uh, Mid-South. Yeah, the Delta area. Uh, Delta. The, the, uh, the reports from 2019 forward are what you were talking about. The last two then would be the commercial reports. Uh, yes. The, the, since you've gone commercial. Okay. That's correct. Uh, are those reports... Uh, available to the public or are they just only part of uh, your growers? On an individual basis with the grower, the grower owns their data mm -hmm. um, and, and we anonymize it when it goes into our cloud. So we take bio, we take biology, we turn it into gigabytes of data and then it goes up into the cloud and uh, we it produces this massive metagenomics platform. So we don't make individual grower uh, information available unless they uh, give us permission to do that. Otherwise, we don't we don't share that. What we do share is the aggregated data that's in the cloud, which is what you see in the pattern ag report, right? Uh, predictive ag report um, that is aggregated and, and anonymized data. Mm -hmm. Is it available to the public? Yes. Go to our website at pattern.ag and you can order a copy of the 2023 predictive ag report. I uh, I kind of call it the farmer's almanac of what to expect right. after planting this season. Right. Um, but yeah, anybody can receive a free copy. No moon phases. No moon phases. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Very good. Um, any predictions of uh, growth beyond the Midwest right now or what, what might be coming down the pike for uh, uh, pattern ag in the future? Yeah, we are we are expanding into Brazil uh, as we speak. Uh, we have to go down and build out our models. So it's not a trivial thing to go into a new country or no. even into a new crop because we have to build completely new models and there's different pathogens that we have to map their genomes. We will be expanding into other crops. The other crops, um, you know, we like to we would like to work with crops that rotate with corn and soybeans because it makes us it keeps us on the same acre. So things like cotton. Right, uh, wheat down the road, maybe sugar beets, but uh, we will plan. We plan to expand into as many crops as we possibly can. But if you're going to fundamentally change commodity agriculture at scale, it has to be done on corn and soybeans. And so we wanted to build a model. We wanted to build a product that you could take at scale that corn and soybean growers who live on razor thin margins that would give them the ability to improve that margin by improving top end yield. And that is our North Star as a company. Mm -hmm. All we're focused on is bringing these insights to bear so that they can improve their top end yield, which you know, a rising tide raises all ships will improve their ROIs as well. Thanks to Mike Tweedy, Danielle Watts, and Dan Crummett for today's conversation. The full transcript and a video for this episode are available at no-tillfarmer.com slash podcasts. And check out the May 2023 issue of No-Till Farmer magazine to see a map of the corn rootworm and soybean southern dust syndrome hotspots pattern egg anticipates for the 2023 growing season. 
Many thanks to Yetter Farm Equipment for helping to make this No-Till podcast series possible. From all of us here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Michaela Bogner. Thanks for listening.